Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, what is wrong with the Utah Jazz? Because clearly, something's wrong. The Knicks game had stretches that looked better than the Nets game. They didn't just get beat right out of the gate for 48 straight minutes. Um, In this one, the Jazz struggled early, missed 11 of the first 14 shots, regrouped, turned things around, got the momentum, tied the game, took the lead. They're up seven at the end of the quarter. And with three minutes to go in the second quarter, they were up by 18. They were rolling. They had the Knicks on the ropes. And then the soft turnover started. Careless with the ball, lack of focus, lack of concentration. I don't know what to blame it on. You can come up with something. It's just too many layups for the other team because of too many really basic mistakes by the Jazz. Just, you know, high school type errors. Guys just losing the ball. Just, it, it's, a, it's a soft turnover. The ball, they, they gave the ball away. They did not have the ball taken away. They gave the ball away. It was not a great play by the other team. And it's happening too often, and it's really changing the momentum of games. And a team that prides itself on defense can't get back into fan because they're just giving up fast breaks, one-on-none, two-on-one. Uh, it just it doesn't work. They've got to stop it. If they keep turning the ball over like this, they're going to keep losing. They're going to keep giving up these big runs. They gave up a 10-2 run late in the second quarter, and they gave up another 10-2 run uh, at the end of the third quarter. They were still up by five and hanging in there, not looking good, but hanging in there up by five. And they gave up that 10-2 run and never recovered. And at no point in the fourth quarter did it feel like they were about to grab the momentum of the game and turn it around. There was one particularly disturbing play with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And the Jazz were trying to match up on defense. And Julius Randle, who had a 30-point game, he had 30 points, 16 rebounds, and 7 assists. And he just, he's already kind of in the paint. He just kind of floats towards the rim, and, and there's nobody with him. Everyone else is trying to match up and figure out who they're with, and nobody's got the leading scorer. And they just throw him the ball, and he scores. <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculously easy. It was a huge mistake, and nobody's going to want to see that on tape. That did not cover themselves in glory right there, let me tell you. And then at the end of the game, at the end of the game, it was uh, Austin Rivers. Four quick three-pointers. He had 14 straight points for the Knicks. It took him about three, three and a half minutes to just light it up. And that took all the air out of the Jazz. And there was no chance to do anything dramatic at the end of the game. And they lose 112-100. So now a team looked really good walking off the floor in San Antonio. They were 4-2. and two. looked like maybe they really figured some stuff out. And instead, they're 4-4. Four and four. They're going to Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee... Could be good. They might end. I mean, Austin Kempo's great. You know, is Milwaukee going to be good? They're off to a five and three start. Game better than the Jazz. Uh, they beat the Pistons one thirty to one fifteen last night. Jazz. We'll see those two teams that played are the Jazz next two games. They get the Bucks in Milwaukee Friday, and they play the Pistons in Detroit on Sunday. And they got stuff to figure out because if they keep with these soft turnovers, just giving the ball away, then anybody can beat them. So, got to figure it out. Got to. Uh, Got to get on track because this is uh, this is ugly basketball. It's bad basketball. It's got to be depressing to be on the road and not be able to go out into town and see anything, you know. And you're supposed to be in your room and they're doing all the contact tracing and you're losing. You're losing. Food tastes better when you win. Everything's better when you win. The sky is bluer when you win. Temperatures are warmer when you win. Just it just makes everything better. And the Jazz aren't doing that right now. So, see how long it takes to turn them around. On paper, those were two wins. And now, realistically, well, they're losses. That's a fact. So, we'll see what the Jazz do going forward. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, the best of the postgame show. We've also got BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick coming up. Stay with us. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Jazz fall again in New York. Back-to-back losses on back-to-back days. Jake Scott, wrapping it all up with the best of the postgame show. Sure, Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Tough night again last night for the Utah Jazz. They lose to the Knicks in New York. 112 to 100. Uh, Jazz at one point in the second quarter had an 18-point lead. They end up blowing it in the second half and end up losing uh, by 12. Tough night. Uh, it really had a tough time getting stops in the second half. Uh, Alfred Payton with 22 points on 10 of 15 shooting for the Knicks. Austin Rivers couldn't miss in the fourth quarter. He had 23 points, 5 of 7 from 3. It seems like Austin is always having big games against the Utah Jazz. Um, Julius Randle had 30 points, 16 rebounds, and 7 assists to lead the way for the Knicks. For the Jazz... Jordan Clarkson had 19 points, three rebounds, and two assists. Donovan Mitchell with 18 points. Joe Ingles had 16 coming in off the bench. Rudy Gobert with 14 points to go along with uh, 12 rebounds and five block shots for Rudy, but not enough as the Jazz give up the L to the Knicks. Let's uh, get you some postgame sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. I, I thought you know, we weren't great. We didn't, we didn't make shots necessarily at the beginning of the game, but we really did defend and that gave us an opportunity to, you know, start playing better offensively and, and go into halftime with a, you know, with a, with a lead. Um, we didn't have that. Uh, that that the, the second half, um, we missed some shots, um, but those are the times you need to defend, and we just made it too easy with some careless turnovers and some breakdowns defensively. And then obviously Rivers hit some some big shots, but you know we had started to slip on the defensive end prior to that. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, after last night's game, several guys spoke about the lack of consistency of effort. Is it concerning that a night later, you know, you guys start off as strong as you did, and then as you mentioned, those things kind of sort of fall apart beginning in the third quarter? Well, I mean, to a certain degree, you know, our, our group has always been one that responds. And I thought the way we came out, um, we came out strong. And we were playing the right way. We were defending. Um, and then we lost our focus with respect to that. And that, that's squarely where it has to be. You know, we're a team, regardless of whether we're making shots, that, you know, every team, that's true. But for us, you know, that commitment and focus, you know, we, whether it's communication, matchups, various things that um, where we have breakdowns, um, you know, we can't. For some games, maybe if you're making making shots, you can sustain some of that. But um, again, you can't rely on that, and you know, that's what happened tonight. But I, I thought we came out and competed. And to me, it's a question of focus as much as anything on um, the certain things that we need to do to be successful. And those, as much as anything, on the defensive end, they're little things whether it's spacing on offense, all those details, they just add up. Next up, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. 
Quinn, it seems like a lot of the success in the second quarter came because you guys were running uh, up and down the floor pretty quickly. Is it hard to generate pace or, or does it have to happen naturally in a game or what do you need to do? Well, a lot of it comes from getting stopped. You know, it's harder to run when you're taking the ball out of the net. Um, you know, and I, I thought, again, at the beginning of the third quarter, we were, we were getting some good looks. Um, but if we're not scoring, um, we still, excuse me, if they're scoring on us, we still have to figure out, you know, that we need to push the ball up the court. But you may not, you know, you're playing against the set defense normally if, if the team scores, they're back. And then it's a question of execution. So, um, you know, a lot of the pace in the first half was in function of our defense. And that's, again, why it's so important. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. When it was an issue of playoffs last night, tonight, I mean, when you have a star guard who's who's scoring and, and kind of gets hot, and there doesn't seem like there's any way that you guys can kind of impact what he does, what do you guys need to do in order to do that more effectively? Because, you know, there have been these scoring spurts that you haven't been able to stop. Well, I think the, you know, the biggest question on some of those, you know, obviously you're talking about, you know, Austin Rivers and, um, I think it has to be a collective collective effort. Um, obviously, there's someone that's got to take the matchup. Um, but, you know, oftentimes, in, in this case tonight, you know, he made a couple really contested tough shots, but he also had a couple um, where we had breakdowns, where we got lost with matchups, and he got wide open looks. And those are the kind of things, if you give those up, um, you know, it makes it even harder to, to slow somebody down. All right, that's it. Thank you, Coach. There you go. That's Quinn Snyder. His team falls uh, the second loss in a row uh, in uh, the New York area. 112 to 100 to the New York Knicks. Let's get some post-game player sound. Let's start things off uh, with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, was there a a juncture where you guys lost control of the game or was it kind of like a a slow burn? I think it was a point where we just stopped defending and turned the ball over. we, we got up, got complacent. They came out on the run in the third quarter, and we said we didn't know what to do after that. And um, that's really what changed the entire game. Uh, Eric Weldon, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, after you guys mentioned last night kind of repeatedly that consistency of effort was becoming an kind of a constant issue how concerning is it that kind of the same thing happened tonight when as you mentioned you guys didn't come out strong in the third quarter I mean it, it, to be honest with you it's it's just something we just gotta look at ourselves man like I could give you five different answers Eric to be honest but it's just at the end of the day we gotta look at ourselves I don't, I've said the same message to y'all about what five times already this year four times so I we just got to go ahead and do it. Uh, whether it's guarding, take care of the ball, whatever it is, we just got to go ahead and do it. Um, that's that's all I got for you. All right, Brian Mahoney, AP. Sorry, Brian, I think you're on mute. Oh. Yeah, sorry about that, uh, Donovan. Uh, just for you personally, uh, was this kind of a tough game to get up for in some ways? I imagine being from around here, you probably like coming to the garden, maybe see people you normally don't get to see. And, it, you know, obviously you can't do that now. Was it, a, was it, was it tough to get going a little bit for this? Uh, honestly, I was you know, excited. You know, you're always excited to come home. And, and no matter if there's a crowd or not, you're playing in the, the world's most famous arena in the garden. You know, I grew up coming here. Um, it's just one exciting game, and I think 
you know, I know a lot of guys on the team. Um, and I think for me personally, it was just exciting to come back and be able to play. And it's, it's different, you know, seeing an arena like that, you know, empty, um, nobody there. It was definitely different, but I don't think it had any effect on my play per se, but, you know, it's definitely weird, um, you know, being able to, not being able, like you said, see everybody and, you know, kind of, being isolated is definitely different. I'm fortunate enough to spend time with my sister and my mom for her birthday and, and whatnot, but it's definitely different if I'm for sure. All right, last question. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Donovan, do these feel like issues that can be fixed just kind of in the course of a season, or do they feel more pressing than that? Yeah, I mean, look, we <laughs> we have the tendency as a, as, a, as a fan base and as a group to kind of go crazy. <laughs> um, during a four and four start, during my four years in, in Ben, and, and you guys know, like you know, we've had stretches like this. And if we continue to sit here and feel depressed and upset, you know, it's not going to change. You know, and I'm not saying we're expecting this to just click at some point in time. We got to do the work. Um, but you know, I go back to my rookie year where we started off really, really bad, and you know, that famous Rudy tweet like we'll be fine. Like you know, at the end of the day. We're going to do this. It's just a matter of when, and we can't continue to let teams just come in and just do whatever they want. And I'm I'm not worried, but it's definitely something where it's like, okay, we got to like we got to do it, you know, and we got to do it. You know, we're not going to have the practice time to go in there and go through it. We have to do it up here. We have to think. We have to be able to find ways to continue to to um, to do the little details. And it's, it's, it's funny you say that just because, you know, we have that tendency to kind of, you know, no, we're good. You know, like, you know, never too high, you know, never too low. You know, uh, continue to stay even keel. I'm not going to go home and, you know, stay up all night. You know, at the end of the day, get your sleep, get your, get your rest, get back and get ready for Milwaukee because if we carry these two losses into Milwaukee, this is going to happen again. They're, they're, you know, they're a talented team. You know, we have to be ready for, for that and make the adjustments, you know, and that's that's it. We look at ourselves and we're go ahead and do that. But, I don't think it's a moment where we can say, like, freak out. I'm like, oh, my God, it's, it's eight games. You know, it hasn't been the greatest eight games, I will say. But we can fix this, and we will fix this. It's just a matter of when we're going to do it and how. There's Donovan Mitchell talking about the slow starts there at the end. Of course, we're, we're used to this over the past few years. Uh, Donovan acknowledges it. Also uh, tells everybody to calm down a little bit, that uh, they've pulled out of it before and uh, not to overreact because he believes they'll do it again. Uh, let's hear now from Mike Conley. I think we knew what to expect coming in the third quarter. They were going to come out aggressive. And, um, you know, we let our offense and not making shots kind of dictate uh, our energy level, our sense of urgency, um, which we can't do ever. Uh, and, you know, we have all had bad shooting nights. We've had a couple nights in a row. We haven't shot the ball well. But we cannot let that dictate who we are defensively. Uh, it cannot take us out of what we want to do and accomplish in the game. So, Felt like we kind of let that get out of hand. They got to running a little bit. Uh, turnovers. Um, we had some timely turnovers that they kind of got them going and and stuff that that we should be able to control. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Mike Donovan said the other day that we need to figure out who we want to be and how we want to play as far as the inconsistencies that we've seen. Uh, what are your feelings about that? Uh, I agree 100%. You know, we need to put our stamp on our identity, like what we want that to be. And, um, you know, we are a defensive-minded team. And if we want to be that, we have to be consistent on that end uh, with our effort, with our communication, and with little things and our details uh, coming into to each game uh, specifically. So, 
Um, you know, that's that's definitely what we need to to become. It's, it's definitely early, uh, you know, early in the season to where we have time, but uh, we have to commit, and that's, that's each and every one of us. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Mike, I wanted to get your thoughts and perspective on what happened in the Capitol today. Uh, you know, what what happened today is, you know, it's it's disgusting in so many different ways. I think for a lot of us, you know, viewing it, and, um, it's sad. You know, this is our country. This is you know, we take pride in our country and 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 our people, and to see. Um, see something like that take place that, you know, not never in my life tomorrow, but I would see that, um, you know, that, 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 that kind of act. And, um, it makes me, you know, scared for my kids, you know, growing up in their futures. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, everything I think about, I want to push out hope. I want, I want everybody to be hopeful that things will be better, but, you know, there's still people out there that uh, will behave this way. And, uh, and it's unfortunate uh, you know, to see that happen today. Uh, we'll go one more, ryanmillercancel.com. Hey, Mike, just with the nature of the season, not being able to practice a lot, what can you do to make up for that practice time? I think uh, this year is going to be particularly um, more kind of geared towards film and uh, being able to, to take what you can from that and apply it as quickly as you can to a game situation because we, not, we haven't been in the gym three or four days um, in each state their rules might be different with COVID and you know not being able to get in, in gyms for practices or shoot around so um, for us it's going to be a unique it's going to be a unique season and we have to be able to adjust to that um, we have to be able to, to to sit there and be able to watch them two, you know, one, two hours out of a morning or walk through it in a ballroom and, and, and be able to translate that as fast as we can to game to game action. Uh, it's an adjustment, but it's something that we'll, we'll get better at. That was Mike Conley, nine points, six assists, four rebounds. He was three of 14 from the field, 0 for six from three. Was uh, Mike, let's now let's hear from Jordan Clarkson. All right, we'll start going with uh, Nio Campbell, UtahJazz.com. Hey, Jordan. So, um, yeah, before we get into the questions about the game, um, I do want to uh, get you to talk about just uh, the riots that took place down at the Capitol. Um, and you being somebody that was out at the protests and experiencing and, and fighting against Black Lives Matter, um, or fighting for Black Lives Matter, talk to me about your thoughts on these rioters and these, these people that were down at the Capitol um, not getting the same treatment uh, that we saw over the summer. Um. I mean, it's wild that it looked like a scene out of a movie for real. Um, something that I never thought I would I would see or even experience. Period. Even just watching it. Um, but like you said, uh, I feel like everybody spoke out about it today. Even you know people that you know aren't, aren't on a platform to even you know kind of get that message out. Um, they seen the, the difference. They seen you know, what those people have done uh, today. And, you know, it was no um, consequences for them at all, even though, you know, on the other side, um, it would have been a different story. I feel like um, it would have ended in, you know, multiple deaths, arrests, um, 
you know, anything. And uh, it's just kind of a, a crazy situation that um, is just mind blowing. Uh, something needs to change. Uh, I've seen teams, uh, Neil, uh, just trying to get the message out. Um, you know, it's just another wild situation that is just showing the, the difference. And, you know, that's just plain and simple. Um, and that's all I could really say on, on speaking on that. Next, we'll go to Sarah Todd Deseret News. Jordan, a lot of the players yesterday talked about the inconsistency that you guys have had over the last few games and even within a single game, and we saw that again tonight. Is there anything that you can – I mean, Quinn said that it was a matter of lack of focus that he would point to first. Is there anything that you can do to sort of change that lack of focus? Uh, you know, we, we know what we got to do. Uh, in terms of defensively, talking, communicating, um, you know, we just got to change it. You know, I feel like we haven't had a, a full game where we played well together um, and, and played to, you know, what our, our game plan is and our strengths or anything. I, I don't know where it is where um, we get the disconnect in that. Uh, but it's early right now. Um, we're we'll continue to chip away and keep laying the laying the foundation down and uh, figure it out in these uh, this, these next games. And, uh, hopefully, uh, put a put a bunch of wins together, uh, streak it out. All right, we have time for one last question from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, JC. Kind of as a follow up to that, uh, Donovan was just mentioning how you know. It, it, in terms of that, it's only it's only eight games, and while it's been a bad eight games, um, it's still only eight games. But on the flip side, he mentioned that this is like the fifth time already this season that he's talked about, you know, not maintaining that effort, not focusing on those little things. Given both of those, how do, how do you balance those two things, and how concerned should you be at this point over the fact that those things keep kind of bubbling up? Um. I mean, it could be frustrating. Like you said, it's the first eight games. Um, we just really got to just lock down, focus in, uh, watch more tape, get in, the, get in there and just focus on the little things. I know it sounds like some easy and a short little statement, but um, those things are hard to do sometimes. And you know, that's what makes teams, great teams really great. And, you know, they, they succeed because they do all the, all the little things the full 48 minutes of the game. So um, we just got to figure that out. Uh, and we, like you said, it's the first eight games. We're coming in and, you know, we're still working. And, and um it's going to turn around for us. It's, it's not even bad for us right now. We just, you know, touching the surface. That was Jordan Clarkson. He had 19 points coming in off the bench, 7 of 12 shooting, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and added a steal as well. Up next for the Utah Jazz, they take on the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow night in Milwaukee. Tip-off will be at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. There is the best of the postgame show. When we come back, Aaron Roderick, BYU's new offensive coordinator. Players coming, players going. Jeff Grimes, the old offensive coordinator, going. What's BYU going to look like next year? We'll hear from Aaron next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from BYU's new offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, meeting with the media for about 20 minutes. A lot of questions. Players coming, players going. What's this team going to look like? Missionaries who can come in and help. Guys who've been buried on the roster who are now about to get their chance and break out. Um, all kinds of questions for Aaron Roderick. Here he is. You've been here before. You've been in this position before. And I wondered what you feel like you've learned since your last stint as offensive coordinator, now as you take over again as an offensive coordinator? Um, well, I, I mean, you learn a hundred new things every year. I mean, it's like too many to count. I was talking to a coach yesterday at, uh, at another school and just about how much you evolve from year to year. Um, so it's kind of hard to put my finger on, you know, one or two things, but uh, I think the important thing is that I, I do take very seriously the responsibility to um, continue to try to improve as a coach every year the same way that we ask our players to. And I think it's important that they see uh, their coaches working just as hard to evolve and, and improve. And sometimes that's schematic things and sometimes it's just, you know, maybe – uh, finding a, n- a new way to connect with a player that that needs it. So, it, it it's kind of a broad answer, but yeah. All right, let's take a question from Pat Kinahan, Jay Drew, and Jason Shepard. Uh, you've been working <laughs> with quarterbacks a lot in recent years. How will this change at all with this different uh, responsibility? Not much. Yeah, my. You know, my role will pretty much be the same as it's been with the quarterbacks and, and um, you know, the our, in fact, our whole offensive staff plan to keep everybody's responsibilities and positions intact. So and, you know, we've been playing we've been playing well on offense and we're in a good, good rhythm right now as a staff. And uh, we were fortunate that grimy. uh we had six coaches on offense. So grimy um, was able to just sort of be a roamer. And some days he was coaching, helping with the O line. Some days he was coach helping with the tight ends. Some days he was helping with the running backs. He was, he was all over the field. Um, so we'll miss that for sure. But as far as each individual coach's responsibilities go, I, I plan on keeping those the same. Aaron, will you make any wholesale changes to the offense? Uh, I don't suppose you will, but I just wanted to ask. And then also, um, will you have a name for it? Uh, does it have a name under Grimy? <laughs> um, it, no, it doesn't have a name yet. Uh, I'll try if I can. Maybe if I can one up uh, Grimy's RVO, I'll, I'll try. But I haven't. I haven't pulled that off yet. Um, but um, in all seriousness, I, I do believe in the same things that Jeff preached about, you know, uh, being reliable and, and being physical. And so we and that's one thing that those are characteristics that, you know, we should be able to have every year in this program. And so we've we've tried to lean on the fact that we coach 
kids that are reliable and kids that we've got some size and some physicality on this team and we need to use it. And so that part will not change. You know, our, our offense, I don't plan on our offense changing uh, very much, if at all. You know, you, there's little tweaks every year to try to stay one step ahead of your opponents. So, you know, we might add or delete, make, make minor additions or deletions just based on um, who our personnel might be or if we just think there's something that we're missing that can maybe help us have an advantage uh, over a, t- a tough schedule that's coming up. But um, I would anticipate our offense being very, very similar. And that's part of the reason I think why, um, you know, we have a chance to be good is we, we do have a system in place now. This will be our fourth year with the same system. Many of our players are two, three, and even four-year starters now. And so uh, the idea would be that we can just keep rolling and keep trying to improve, but not having to reinvent everything. And then with, with Zach uh, moving on, now that it's official, how would you handicap the quarterback race coming up in the hmm. fall? <laughs> it's it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be a hard decision for sure. Um, I, I think you have to, you know, just you always have to start with who's played and who we've seen play in a game before. So I think it would be fair to start with Jaron and Baylor. Cause we've seen those guys play and they, and when they played, they both played well. So uh, we've seen Baylor more than Jaron. Um, but I think, uh, you know, obviously Baylor, played really well a couple years ago and got some big wins for us and and this year you know he got in quite a bit this year um just Zach had such a good season it was overshadowed but when Baylor played this year he was very efficient played well and um um then of course when Jaron played a couple years ago briefly uh showed some really exciting flashes of what he's capable of. He's an excellent passer, very accurate thrower with a a lot of ability to be a good player. Had some bad luck with injuries, but we expect him to be fully healthy for spring ball. And then we have two young quarterbacks uh, on scholarship right now in, in Soljay Mayava and Jacob Conover, who were both very highly recruited um, and, and really good players. So, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And I, I can't make any predictions right now, but we will make sure each one of those guys gets an opportunity to show what they can do. Aaron, I wanted to go back to something that you had talked about just a second ago in terms of the overall offense, obviously coming off the type of offensive performance that we saw this past season. What excites you most about the way the offense is trending? Realizing that personnel is going to be a little different, but the way that the offense as a as a whole is trending, what excites you most about that? Well, it, it starts with our ability to block people. You know, I mean, that's I think uh, something I haven't heard anybody mention. I, I don't. I haven't you know read everything that people write and stuff, but um, I think one of the most uh, fascinating parts of our bowl game was James Empey wasn't able to play. He's, and he's, everybody knows what a good player he is. He's been a three-year starter and, you know, team captain, just an awesome player. Well, he can't play. So Joe Tukwafu steps in. We don't skip a beat. Then Joe Tukwafu gets injured and uh, Connor Pay comes in and we just keep rolling. And I don't know if anybody even noticed that we, we were down to our third center while we were going up and down the field. And so that was, it starts with that. We have, we have good offensive linemen in this program and um, 
you know, anytime you can hold up on the line of scrimmage, you have a chance. And if you can't block people, you got no shot. And so that's what excites me the most is that I have a lot of confidence that we are going to continue to play well on the line of scrimmage against whoever we play. And we should, you know, it starts there and then we just got to make the other pieces fit around that and make sure we, we make good use of our skill players. All right, let's go with Mitch Harper, Jake Hatch, and Sean Walker. Yeah, Coach, who are are some of the individuals that in your coaching career that have maybe helped shape your playing calling style as an offensive coordinator and individuals that have been mentors to you during your career? Oh, man, there are so many. Um, It started with just being a graduate assistant here um, for Lavelle. Um, you know, obviously Coach Chow, all the great offensive coaches that were here back in those days, Lance Reynolds and Robbie Bosco, and and uh, those those guys were, you know, BYU offense was is is uh, you know that the old the old BYU offense is is uh, you know where it all started for me, and a lot of the stuff we're doing now is still straight out of that offense. I mean, we threw <laughs> we threw a little mesh crossing route eight times a game or more. And it was, it was a really good play in the central Florida game. And that was a play that we were running when I was a player here. And I learned it from those guys. So, um, and you turn on college football on Saturdays and you're seeing a whole bunch of teams do it now. And it was, so it starts there. Um, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, Robert and I was a big one for me. He was, he was the offensive coordinator at Rick's college when I was a player. And, and, um, he, he really did a lot for me as a player and I've always admired, uh, the success he's had in, in coaching. And, um, you know, I had big breaks in my career from Gary Anderson to obviously Kyle Whittingham hired me at the U those were, those are all mentors I've looked up to and, and really respect. And then offensively, Andy Ludwig had a huge impact on me, uh, early in my coaching career. Um, Andy's a guy that's been good at a lot of different schools with a lot of different styles of offense. But what I learned most from him was just attention to detail. Um, you know, uh, the administrative part of the job, just, just, uh, you know, trusting your assistants, handing out responsibilities, uh, just so many things, really great experience working with him. And then each year I, I just, you know, I watched, I watch the best offenses around and I study those offenses and I, I try to learn and take bits and pieces. I've been doing that my whole career. And I, you know, I, uh, you know, the, the best, some of the best plays we ran this year were just straight rip off of other teams. You know, we scored in the Houston game, a little underhanded red zone play to Mason Wake. Uh, we, we stole it straight from the chiefs and the name of the play was chiefs, you know, and tribute to coach Reed. It was, you know, those things are fun. And so we're always, we're going to try to be aggressive on offense and we're going to try to, um, you know, I'll, I'll take ideas from anywhere I see them, but we have a good system in place right now that doesn't need a lot of, a lot of tweaking, but, um, those are just a few of my influences. I've probably forgotten. I've probably forgotten a bunch of others, but, um, I was been fortunate to work with a lot of, a lot of good coaches over the years and you learn from all of them. And, uh, the other one I would say is Jeff Grimes. I mean, I learned a lot from Jeff. He, he, um, he's an excellent coach and he had a, a vision of what he wanted us to look like here. And initially it didn't quite shape up the way he, I think maybe had in mind. And he, what I've really learned from him was he was willing to adapt. Hey, this is what we wanted to do. 
this is what we have to work with. And now we got to adapt. And, and we did that and we got better each year and it was really fun to work with him and, and see, um, you know, just the way that he got our team to play with physicality and toughness and confidence and, and, uh, I'm going to miss him. Aaron, I wanted to ask you, now you make the move to offensive coordinator. Can you explain to people out there who may not know what a passing game coordinator does exactly? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it varies. You know, in, in some programs, it's just a title and and uh, doesn't matter. But here, you know, uh, again, credit to, to Coach Grimes. He, he gives out responsibilities amongst the staff and trusts each guy on the staff to do his job. And then we get back together and meet and, you know, whoever's in charge of that area of the offense uh, leads, the, leads the way. And so just as an example, and during the season, you know, Fessy's the third down guy. And so every week he presents to us his plan for third downs. Um, and we talk about it and everybody has a chance to have input. And of course, ultimately Grimey had the final say, but he trusted Fessy each week to be in charge of third downs, you know, and I was red zone and, Eric Mateos was, you know, goal line or short yardage. And, you know, Harvey and Steve had their areas and everybody uh, has their responsibilities and you, you trust those guys to do their job. And then, and then uh, everybody has a chance to contribute, but that's the lead guy. And so Fessy um, will step into that role and he'll, he'll be the, he'll sort of have the lead on ideas in the passing game. If we want to do anything new, um, if we want to, you know, anything needs, needs to be fixed, he'll, he'll take the lead on that. And, and I have tons of confidence in him that he's ready for that. We, we pretty much think with the same brain anyway, when it comes to the passing game, I've been coaching him since Southern Utah when he was a freshman. So I almost pulled a PK there. Forgot to unmute myself. Sorry about that coach. Uh, <laughs> also love you, Pat. Um, but, uh, coach, I think you kind of answered this for the most part, but maybe I can ask it a little bit of a different way and just kind of see if, if you have kind of any ideas or thoughts or input on that. But, but because of the nature of the promotions, it does leave you guys with the ability to go out and hire another coach. Do you think that's something that could be used on the offensive side of the ball? Do you have kind of any thoughts or, or will you have any input? I guess that's probably ultimately a Kalani question, but will you yeah. sort of have any, any input or any say on that? Do you kind of see that direction going forward? Or um, That'll be Kalani's decision. I will say that, you know, six on offense, four on defense is not super common. So um, I think the hire could go either way. And um, if we get a sixth coach, great. If we don't, we've, we've got more than, more than got it covered. And, uh, you know, also want to mention we have a really good uh, other staff members in the room that don't always get recognition. You know, we're, we have an analyst uh, and, and graduate assistants that – do a great job and and so we're we've been working together now for a few years and i think i think if we get one more coach that'd be fantastic and if if kalani decides that position is better suited for defense then then um i'm fine with that too it's about winning as a team right norma gonzalez and not by Hey, Rod, so unrelated to sort of the new position of yours, um, I'm working on a story on Zach Wilson, and 
I know we've sort of talked about it relentlessly throughout the season, but kind of want to get more of an expanded um, version from you. Just sort of what went on to really get him to be part of a three-way quarterback battle to then having this breakout season that he had and now being potentially a very high-risk first-rounder in the NFL draft? Um, well, I think the answer to that is – I hope this answer isn't too boring, but it was really just uh, his, you know, relentless work ethic of just – getting a little better every day I mean that's it it sounds you know I I wish I had a more exciting answer for you but Zach just literally just works at it every day that's all he does he's football 24-7 and you know his improvement this year was just the accumulation of reps that have uh, piled up over three years of playing in games over three years of just throwing the ball millions of times to his receivers um all the drill work he does everything you know he takes really good care of himself other than the fact that he's kind of cheap and sometimes he eats crappy food um but other than that he's he's uh you know he's just it was just working at it and never stopping and never feeling like he's arrived you know he's he's just and that's why I think he's going to continue to be great. He's, he's still far from his ceiling. He's got so much ability, and he works so hard at it, and he's never satisfied. So I, I think, uh, you know, who knows how good he can end up being someday. And I was just going to follow up with, a, I guess, sort of what you expect him to become as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to put unfair – uh, you know, make an unfair prediction, and that league is really, really tough. Uh, I actually, uh, little story I recruited Sam Darnold in high school and got really close to getting him uh, to come to Utah. And his dad just t- texted me the other day and congratulated me on a great season and, and uh, congratulated me about the success Zach had. It was, it was really nice. And we just got in a little conversation about how that, that that's a tough league. And, um, and I, I still wouldn't be surprised at all if Sam Darnold ends up being a really good quarterback someday, but a lot goes into success in the NFL. So it, it's hard to predict, but I, I think that Zach will end up being a good pro because of the things I just mentioned. He He's very level-headed. He's always working to get better. Um, when he got criticized, he handled it very well. And he takes coaching. And I just think he's a guy that will just steadily keep getting a little better and a little better and a little better. And his ceiling is so high that um, I think he has what it takes to be very successful in the NFL. <laughs> Coach, we've seen the offense evolve over the past couple of years. And then in 2020, you know, top 10 passing offense, really explosive offense, a lot of big plays. How much of that do you think was due to the personnel? And how much of that is what you want BYU football to be offensively going forward? Um, well, it is what I want BYU football to be. I, I want to be, a, I would love to be a top 10 passing offense all the time. And, um, that's easier said than done. Um, and we know we're going to play some really good defenses this year. So well, we got our work cut out for us. Um, but I, I think the, the answer to the first part of your question, you know, the success of this year, again, this is kind of a boring answer, but it was just 
three, it was a three year process of just trying to get a little better each week, each season, trying to be, uh, push the ball down the field a little more. You know, you, you saw us in the first year, just trying to take care of the football and not turn it over and stay in the game hang around and see if we could get to the fourth quarter and have a chance to win. That was kind of year one. Then you saw us last year get a little more aggressive, especially in the second half of the season. We start throwing the ball down the field a little more. Um, and then this year we just had a lot of confidence that our players know the system. We have good players. The execution of the, the 11 uh, is, is going to be good. And now it's time to let it rip and be aggressive. And so that's it. You know, I want to be a, I want to be an aggressive team. We want to be an aggressive program. And, and so uh, the mentality of attacking for four quarters with the pedal down and throwing the ball down the field uh, is going to be, you know, we were a wide zone team that throws the ball down the field a lot. And that's, that's, we're going to continue to have that, that personality. Um, how aggressive we play will depend a lot on who we have available and what weapons we have. But I think we have a lot of good players coming back and I'm excited. And the plan is to take another step forward, regardless of who's on the schedule. Aaron, we've talked a lot of philosophy and I just wanted to go back just for a second. Yesterday was a pretty eventful day on our end. I was wondering what the last few days were like for you as kind of everything shook out. I imagine it was probably a longer process than just the uh, 12 hours basically of the official announcements yesterday. But but what was it like just going through the, the process uh, of, of getting to this point? Um, yeah, this time of year is pretty wild for coaches, you know, um, season ends and there's there's always uh, coaching movement you know you you hear about the big moves you hear about Steve Sarkeesian going to Texas and those types of things but then there's always the trickle down of just you know dozens of assistant coaches you know playing musical chairs and and um and so your phone's that you're getting this text and that text and this call or that call about this job and that job and everything and that's how the profession goes but I uh really really love coaching here and I wasn't really involved in any of that or entertaining going anywhere or anything like that I was just you know just enjoying my holiday and just sort of staying up on kind of the coaching gossip that goes around and but I uh yesterday morning was when I heard about coach Grimes so I, I didn't hear about it much earlier than any of you and um I was really excited for him to you know have the chance to go home basically he and his wife both are going going to be close to their families and and um so i was happy for him but i didn't hear about it much earlier than you guys did and and then shortly after that i got a call from kalani and and uh didn't take long to make this happen there's byu offensive coordinator aaron roderick when we come back what is trending the aggies roll again the jazz do not again we'll get to that next stay with us 